Welcome, Adventure Family. That was pretty epic, huh? That, that intro is pretty epic, isn't it? Can we just thank our media team, the, the sound and the video and the lights and the... You know, without them behind the scenes, this wouldn't happen. I mean, it would happen, but it would be a lot quieter and a lot darker, so... <laughs> And a lot less entertaining. So God bless you this morning. I'm really excited. We're continuing our series called The Jesus Stories. These are new insights into an old narrative, and I've invited several of my friends to come and join me and to kind of share their insights into these stories about Jesus. And are you guys enjoying this series, those of you who have been here? Three of you are. Okay. That's good. So maybe we'll switch it up. I don't know. Well, I'm really enjoying this. It's been really, really fun to kind of co teach with people. And this week, uh, I have a very special guest here. You may recognize her from the screen and her crazy husband. Um, (laughs) You know who you are. It'll satisfy the earliest of birds. (laughs) I don't know where you got that. But anyway, um, my dear friend, Sarah has uh, grown up in this church. I've watched her grow into the gracious woman of God that she is today. Seen her go through the awkward phases. Calls me out. (laughs) And uh, seen her go through some really hard times. And um, I'm really excited to have her join me today and share. and, And you will understand why when we get into our topic Because the topic that we're talking about today is a topic that we'd rather not have to deal with. We would rather not have to acknowledge or go through. Um, But you'll understand today as as we dig into this why it is so significant, why it's so important. So before we get into our topic, though, I just would like to ask you to kind of share a little bit about who you are, kind of a little bit about your story. Yeah, so as Josie said, like I grew up in the church, and I've known the Lord for a while. Um, there was a period of time where, obviously, I had to figure out my identity in God. And during that time, it was very difficult, because stemming off from your parents' beliefs, um, it's different, for sure, if you've grown up in the church. I have 11 siblings, um, and so it's always crazy in the house, but to me, it was, like, normal. Like, you know, you got, like, 25 birds somewhere down in the basement, and, like, <laughs> siblings everywhere all the time, and just, like, dirt, like, mud pies outside on every corner of the house. Um, but that was kind of my normal, and I loved it, and um, it was just how I grew up. And then, you know, life took a turn. And um, when I had a sister who passed away. And after she passed away, my family experienced a lot of rejection and people leaving left and right um, and accusing of a lot of different stuff. And because of that, kind of just didn't understand what was happening for sure. And also um, fell into a depression for a long time felt like God was not there and that I was all alone. And it took a while for me to really realize that the Lord was there all along. Um, So I would say that I found God. Salvation was like 14 or 15 years old. Can't really pinpoint the exact age. Um, But then after that, it it did take some time to get out of the rut and to get out of um, 
you know, my feeling like he abandoned me and left me. Uh, fast forwarding to a few years later, um, Prentice and I, my husband, we got married and we went to the Philippines for 10 months. And that was an insane experience. I think that was more beneficial for me than it was the people that we were serving. Um, God refined me a lot in there and showed me a lot about. One second. I just want to, if you, if you're not aware, we have 12 churches in the Philippines that were planted by, by Sarah's oldest brother, Kevin and his wife, Shenna. And, um, Really, I mean, I, props to, to Sarah and Prentice because as newlyweds, they, they left the United States and went and lived under some pretty uncomfortable circumstances. And, and really, they are like two of my heroes. I have <laughs> utmost respect for these guys. They're, they're the real deal. And um, so I just wanted to fill you in in case you, you weren't aware that that we have these 12 churches in the Philippines and God's doing great things there. And, mm-hmm. and God really grew both you and Prentice tremendously through that yep. experience too. Huh? Yeah, he did. And honestly, I look back and I'm like, Oh, I needed a lot. And it definitely was a growing experience and he redefined my identity and it was insane and it was incredible. And I would do it again and again and again. <laughs> so it's, it was amazing. And now we're here. And so uh, I've, I've been kind of mentoring Sarah for a while and um, just walking with her. And as I mentioned, you were, you were about six when you started coming to church here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I, when I started extending the invitation for people to come and, and teach, um, I had asked Sarah if she would be willing and at first she was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you blame me? <laughs> Um, and do you want to explain maybe a little bit of why that was your response? Because she's, uh, she's naturally, I think, gifted as a teacher. And so why, why the hesitancy? <sighs> um, I struggled for a long time with fear, uh, fear specifically of my own sin and my own pride. Um, and I spent a long time in the Philippines overcoming that and God revealing a lot to me and teaching me to be quiet and teaching me to listen. (laughs) And coming out of that, God was, kept me doing, like, kept me in that season for a long time. And then around this time last year, he started, like, lifting the grace over that season and really started telling me, like, okay, so you're aware of your sin. And now that you're aware of your sin, I've got you. Like, go and do what I'm telling you to do. And everything else will be okay, you know. And I still struggle even now with it, uh, with just the fear of it and the lie of the enemy saying that I should fear it, when in reality, I don't need to fear it at all. Um, So I called Jody and I was like, listen, (laughs) um, this is what I'm struggling with and this is why I don't want to do it. And she's like, that's just a lie. You know, that's a lie from the enemy telling you to be afraid of something that God already, essentially what you said was already conquered and that you are aware of it. So let God handle the rest and take your thoughts captive, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And God told me specifically to to work on uh, or 
go over Jesus in the wilderness, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Um, and I had no idea why, because it's not my favorite. It wasn't in the beginning. <laughs> but let me tell you what, like, God wanted this to be very personal because he brought me right through the wilderness, you guys. <laughs> um, but I, now it's one of my favorites. Here's a picture of go. the wilderness. wilderness. Looks Thanks. a lot nicer, though, than I think it actually was. I think was. so. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> um, so that is, that's our topic for today. And, and I just want to say, if, if you have walked with the Lord for any amount of time at all, you have been through what we call the desert or the wilderness, which is a, a season. It's always a season. Keep that in mind. It always has an ending. But it's a season where you feel like God has abandoned you, maybe, Mm. Um, it seems that, that whenever you pray, your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. It seems like you're being tested that, that God's promises may not be true. Um, it, it's a season of just barrenness and, yeah. and often brokenness and confusion. And if, if, you've, if you've never been through this, thank God, uh, a lot of times... Uh, new believers, when they first when they're first born again and they first become Christians, they go through like a honeymoon phase, which is really sweet. And God answers almost all of their prayers. So always ask a new believer to pray for you because God <laughs> will answer idea. their prayers. Um, but then you kind of hit toddler phase, and that's where where you start to kind of maybe stumble a little bit, and you start to realize, oh, okay, so there's there's some there's some hard things. That are here. Mm. And one of the most difficult things, and one of the times when many Christians walk away from the Lord, is in periods of temptation and testing and in the desert. Mm. And so, um, Sarah, it, I, I think it was no coincidence that, that the Lord allowed her to go through that season to bring a message of hope. Yeah. So, the message is yes, you will probably go through this season. This is part of the, the, the life as a believer in Jesus Christ, but there is hope. And so we're going to start, I'm going to set it up just a little bit. Um, this story takes place right after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Now remember, it says in the Bible, it says that, that John brought the baptism for the forgiveness of sins. So now why would Jesus, who is sinless, have to be baptized? Any, anybody have any ideas? He was setting the example for us as believers. And then I don't think it's a coincidence that going into the wilderness for a season of temptation, again, he is also setting an example for us because he had to be fully tested. He had to be he had to demonstrate that he was tested in every way. Like the Bible says, he has been tempted in every way so he can relate to us. That's the reason that Jesus went through the, the wilderness and to, and to provide that opportunity for us to hope that the goodness of God will get us through. So do you want to start? Um, this is Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So if you are in the middle of a wilderness right now or you're in the middle of the desert, uh, please listen up this morning. Um, and, mm-hmm. and if not, listen for the season when you actually will go through it, because all of us do. And, and I've noticed there are three times specifically that I think that, that we go through a wilderness period. Oftentimes, you know, Jesus had just been baptized, so there's this kind of, kind of like a win, kind of like a, a highlight, a, you know, kind of a spiritual high. A lot of times, immediately after like a, like a victorious thing happens in our spiritual lives, we'll be, we'll be tempted. We'll be led into a desert. So that's one time where I feel like we go through the desert. Another time is when we're all alone, when we're feeling alone. Mm-hmm. And another time is when we're weak. See, Jesus here had been fasting for 40 days, and he was weak. And I feel like those are the times when the enemy will come in and try to tempt us. But um, So starting out in verse 1, it says, Jesus was led. Do we have verse one up there? Yep. Jesus was led, say it with me. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now, doesn't that seem kind of mean? Like, why would Jesus, after he, after, or why would the Lord take Jesus and, and bring him into this horrible situation when he has just had this awesome, epic experience of, of the baptism? Mm. But here's a reason. He brought him into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. You want to go on and, uh, and read the next section? The next section, verse 3, yep. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to t- become loaves of bread. So what do, you find, what do you find about that, about the temptation of the devil? Satan is tempting Jesus and making him question who he is and what he is able to do as well. And that is something that Satan will do, is he will question your identity in God. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two months that's what Satan's been doing with me is questioning my identity and God over and over and over again. Um, but he loves to do that because when you are weak and when you are vulnerable is the time that he, he does, he's an opportunist. Opportun- mm-hmm. I said that right. <laughs> mm-hmm. He, he fi- finds an opportunity to come mm-hmm. in and weaken you and poison your, your idea of what your identity of God is. Mm-hmm. And your actual identity in God, and that's what He's doing with Jesus right now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the things that the enemy will do when you're going through a season of testing. He will he will question he will cause you to question who you are mm-hmm. in Christ, or he'll cause you to question the character of God. Yep. And if you if you go back to Genesis three, 
with, with the, the temptation that d- the devil brought to Eve. And, and he's like, I mean, did God really say that? I mean, really? This is what the enemy will do. He'll cause you to question what you believe to be true, either about yourself or about God. Yep. So how does Jesus respond? He responds with God's word. He says, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So say, Jesus says, uh, comes back with scripture, with God's word and fights off the enemy's lies. And he says, no, this is what God says. And this is what I'm going to do. And we, every, we live off of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is, the Bible is the bread. You know, and, and that's what Satan is saying is that this is what we live off of. Mm-hmm. So he takes Satan's lie and he he says, no, this is what God says. Mm-hmm. And for that, I can believe that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's interesting because in, in 1 John 2, it talks about the different, the different things that trip us up. And it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And this right here is talking about Satan is tempting Jesus with the lust of the flesh because obviously he's been fasting for 40 days and nights and it says, and he was very hungry. It's like, yeah, I would assume he would be very hungry. And so the enemy is coming in. He's saying, come on, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, you could, you could totally feed yourself. Like you could go ahead and just turn the stones into bread. And Jesus responds, not with an argument, but with the word of God, which is called the sword of the spirit. And he says, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. And that's a good, for me, that is a good reminder that even the word of God is more important to us than food. The Bible is even more important for sustenance than food. And so then what happens? What's the next step, the next temptation? Then the devil took him into the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So here Satan is taking now taking the word of God and using it against Jesus. He does that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, there's nothing here that he's doing that is new either. Um, but he's taking the word of God now and saying, okay, so we're using, we're using scripture. So I'm going to use scripture too. And trying to use that against what Jesus is doing here and the resistance of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say too, you know, like you said that he doesn't do anything new. Satan is not creative. No. He just recycles the same stuff. And he will take what he knows your weaknesses are and your propensities and your tendencies, and he will tempt you with those things. Now, I, I've heard that, you know, that Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but he knows enough about how to trip us up that he'll try to use those things to mess with us. Mm-hmm. So be aware. You know, the Word of God says that, that we are not unwise to his schemes, it says, you know, that, that Satan has his schemes, schemata, but we are not unwise to those schemes. So be aware. It says to be alert, to be sober-minded so that you can recognize it when the enemy comes after you and when he comes and tries to question your identity and question your calling and question God. And here he's saying, 
He's, even the enemy takes, like Sarah said, the enemy takes the word of God and twists it just enough. So, so a couple of the things we were talking about this week were, you know, the, the things that the Lord or that the enemy will do in the midst of the desert is he'll accuse you. So, you know, he'll start to call you names and he'll start to remind you of your sins or your weaknesses. He'll play on your insecurities and he, he will accuse you and he will confuse you. He will try to make you question who you are. He'll try to make you question who God is. He'll try to make you question the validity of God's word. Mm-hmm. And then he will also defuse you. He will take away your, your sense of, of being able to accomplish anything or to be able to really serve the Lord. So he accuses, he confuses, and he diffuses. These are the three things that the enemy will do when you're in the middle of the desert. So be aware of these things. The reason that Sarah and I are here to tell you these, to to talk about this today is because, you know, this is the oldest trick in the book. Mm -hmm. The enemy will use these things. And this is why a lot of people fall away during a period of temptation because they kind of just throw their hands up and give up and they don't believe God. They question, well, is God really good? I mean, how come God hasn't answered my prayers? Or, or they question, you know, is the word of God even true? Because I, I'll be honest, I've had to question at times, and I think I mentioned it even last week when we were talking about faith. You know, going through some seasons that take so long when we are long-suffering, and you go through these seasons and you think, how can a God who, who says of himself, that he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. How could he let his children go through these seasons mm. and for such a long time? You know, don't you wonder? Have you ever wondered this? When you've gone through the wilderness, you've wondered, where is God in the midst yeah. of this? And so, um, Moving on, we will get to that. Moving on, then, what is the next plan the enemy had? Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So Mm -hmm. just going with that real quick and finishing that up. What this means, do not test the Lord your God, is it's not something that is like, okay, God can't be tested because God, God can. But it's a matter of fact, if God wants to do things in his way and in his timing, because his way and his timing are perfect. And we try to do things where we're like, okay, Lord, like I need you to show me something now, or I'm walking away or something, you know, something crazy. And when he doesn't, we get disappointed. You know, there's those moments of like disappointment and frustration. And the scripture says, do not test the Lord, your God. He's just saying, they're saying that for our sake. Jesus says that for our sake so that we don't feel like God's not being faithful. And so we don't fall into a place of feeling like alone and desperate and doubting God's, God's goodness mm-hmm. um, because it is disappointing. If we test God and he doesn't deliver what we want exactly how we want, we get disappointed in him. And um, that can be very frustrating. So that's why Jesus says, Scripture says, do not test the Lord your God. And this is also evidence that Jesus Christ is God because the enemy is coming and testing him and Jesus is saying, you should not test the Lord your God. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people, um, there's a story in the Old Testament about a, a guy named Gideon, who was actually a guy who was consumed with fear. But the Lord called him and said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, what, who, me? Like, Gideon can't even believe it. People will often use the story of Gideon as a, as a proof for how you can, how you can test God. You know, the, the whole idea of fleecing, that, that, you know, Gideon laid a fleece out and he said, well, if it's dry on the bottom or if it's wet on the bottom, then I'm going to know that you're calling me to do this. And then the next day he's like, well, if it's dry on the top and he's like, you know, he's, I don't know if I got that backwards, but, um, but Gideon is, you know, he's just basically saying, God, you need to prove to me. And he's testing God. And people will use that a lot of times as their, as their um, evidence for if God is, with them or if God is for them. The reality of it is that God gave a covenant to us, to his children. He said, you are my people, you are my child, and I am your God, and I will be with you. And I think that when we're going through hardships and trials and suffering, that is the most important thing to remember is that he will be with you. And, you know, during the Olympics, you know, you see these world-class athletes, and they have had to discipline themselves for years and years, right? And, and the Lord compares our trials and our suffering to discipline. But that discipline is to yield something that's good, right? Like hopefully a gold medal. And in the same way, when we are disciplined by the Lord, when we go through the wilderness, we go through testing and temptation, the Lord is building something good in our character. Yep. The Lord is developing something in the midst of it. And, and like I mentioned last week, again, talking about faith, I've, I've said to the Lord so many times over this last season of my life, Lord, I, I, I trust you, but I don't get you. I don't understand you. I don't understand your ways. I don't understand your timing. But if you go back to that covenant, that promise that he made that he can never break, is that he is your God, and he will be with you, and he is for you. And this is the thing to remember. And I'm sure, you know, during this temptation when Jesus was going through this, I'm sure he did feel alone. You want to share a little bit about your experience about going through the wilderness and feeling alone? Yeah. Um, I was in not a great place, you guys. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Um, a few, probably two months ago, I was already pretty weak, um, just emotionally. And my soul was just really tired from just the weight of the world and the things that were going on in my personal life. And that's really when Satan came in. And like I was saying earlier, that's, I was weak. And so he's like, okay, let's go. (laughs) And it was a target. I felt like I had a target on my back. I would wake up and it was like, just pounded with lies after lies that I have to, I had to keep battling and keep saying, no, this is what God says. This is, this is fine because it's not true. But it was day in and day out and so constant. I, like I said, I would wake up and I would go to sleep and I would, I would kind of sleep. And when I did, it was just nasty dreams and I couldn't get out of it. And I was crying out to God and I felt so alone. And because I felt so alone and I felt frustrated and... um discouraged, I started secluding myself and I was like, nope. 
you know, I can't show this to anybody and I also don't want to, and I'm tired. I was started to do that with even Prentice and I just hid myself and allowed myself to just be by myself. And by doing that, it made it a lot worse <laughs> mm-hmm. because I didn't have the community and people around me to shine light into mm-hmm. the lies that were being told. And when I say it was bad, I'm, I'm being real and saying it felt like spiritual torment. It, it felt like I was being completely sucked dry from everything and I had nothing left. And I felt like God was completely faithless through it. There was a song that I was singing in the car called Promises by Maverick City Worship, for those of you who know what that is. And it talks about Jesus's faithfulness. And I'm singing this song and it was just completely empty words. And I stopped and I was like, God, I don't believe this right now. I do not believe you're being faithful. I'm doing all these things. I'm praying. I'm talking to you. I'm reading the word. I'm serving you. And then I realized it was I. I had a lot of eyes in there and I was boasting about the work I was doing and expecting God just because I was doing work for him that he would all of a sudden do something. When in reality, I was trying to do it in my own power and it was not working, you guys. And the boasting and the, the talking about like, oh, I'm doing all these things. I fell short and I kept falling short and I was so confused and so broken as to why. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's another really common thing that when we, when we struggle and when, we, when we're going through hard times, we isolate ourselves rather than getting things in the light and confessing it and opening up and being honest about it and allowing other people to walk with us through it. And that's mm-hmm. one reason we're, we're really um, encouraging people to be involved in a core group or in some kind of a, a group where you can just be yourself and yeah. you can be honest. You can keep it real with people. You don't have to come in and have it all together. You can say, you know what? I'm really suffering right now. I'm really struggling. I'm doubting God. I'm doubting God's word. I'm doubting my calling. I'm believing all these lies and just expose it and get it into the light yep. so that other people can, can be a reflection of Christ to you and can, and can speak the truth to you. You know, it says here, it says, um, Satan, it says, the devil took Jesus to the peak of the high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their, and their glory. And Satan goes, I'll give this all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. This is the other thing that the enemy will do, is when you're in the midst of a trial or suffering, he will promise you that, you know what, if you just walked away from God, you'd be so much happier. I have all these things for you. And I remember the story of a friend of mine, and he was talking about um, one time when he was under the influence, and he was watching some music video or something, and all of a sudden, he heard this voice And it said, you could have all this too. It was, you know, these, it was some rock band and, you know, they had, they had it all supposedly. And and he heard this voice said, you could have this all too. If you just renounce Christ, if you just deny the cross, you could have all this. But that is a lie. That is from the evil one. And the evil one wants to tempt you and say, if you, if you didn't have to do this whole thing with Jesus, if you could just live in the world, I'd give you all of this. But it's a lie. And this is when Jesus is done. He's like over it. He's like, get out of here, Satan. 
Jesus told him, he says, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God, serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of him. The angels came and ministered to Jesus, which is, I think they probably made him a meal or something. <laughs> but earlier on, remember it says here, it says, when even Satan is saying, he's, he will order his angels to protect you. You know, and the enemy will take that and he will twist that and he will try to distort, which is again why it's so good for us not to isolate, to yeah. be with people who can can speak the truth to you mm-hmm. and to stay in God's word, even in the midst of suffering. So so what how did the breakthrough happen for you? Because a week ago she was not at this place. It's a hot mess. <laughs> she was a hot funny. mess. A week ago she was still in the midst of this. And I was like, it's cool. We're keeping it real. If people go through this, we'll be honest about it. But God, in his grace, brought Sarah a breakthrough. You want to share a little bit how that happened? Yeah. Um, I talked to Jody, and I was just crying. And I was like, you know, I'm how long? That was like my question was like, Lord, how long will you continue doing this? How long do I have to continue on with this pushing through and like white knuckling my way through. Mm -hmm. And last Saturday I was alone in my house and I was frustrated because God was like, read the word. And I was like, you kidding me right now? Like I read the word and it's lifeless. Why would I, what, why would I do it now? You're going to, you're going to say something to me. (laughs) And I was just annoyed, um, with God. And I was already reading in Romans, um, in Romans, I think I was like Romans 2 or 3, but God told me to go to Romans 12. And it's a pretty popular chapter, but 12 verse 12 says, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. And I read this, and I was like, how can I rejoice in hope, Lord? I do not feel like I have hope. And he said, your hope is in me. Your hope is in me, your hope is what I did 2,000 years ago. Your hope is in me. Mm-hmm. And then be patient in trouble. I'm like, I'm not patient right now because I'm frustrated and it just seems like it's dragging on and I have so little left. And he said, you can be patient because you have hope. You can be patient because you have seen my faithfulness. And I just remember sitting there and pinpointing God's faithfulness that I've seen in the past. Whether, they're, whether you've seen God do miraculous things and you've seen God's faithfulness just overflow and it's in your face, or just little tiny things here and there. Pin, I pinpointed those moments that I knew and could not deny was God. And then keep on praying. Because I have hope and because I can be patient, I can keep praying and I can keep crying out to God and being honest with the Lord and being real. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm doing all these things, I can say, Lord, here I am. Here I am open and raw and ready. Do your work in me. Clean out all that yuckiness out of me and make me yours and make me whole. And at that point, I read this, I I laid it all out, and I closed the Bible, and I said, all right, thank you. Thank you for your sovereignty, and thank you for your faithfulness, and for answering my cry. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, years ago, 
I was, I was in a wilderness period and everything was going wrong and I was being tested and tempted and it was a really, really dark period. And there was this man, this elderly pastor who was, um, he was like an encourager for the pastors in our district. And I, I called him and I poured out my heart and I, and I just told him everything that was going wrong and all these horrible things. And, and he just paused and he just said, Jody, enjoy these times. And I was like offended. I was like, did you not hear anything I just said, old man? Like literally. I'm like, enjoy this. This sucks. I hate this. And yet he said, I want to read you this passage. And so he read this passage to me and and it really changed my life. You know, this is why I, I'm so all about reading the word of God. And like Sarah said, reading that one verse in Romans 12, 12, it changed her whole perspective. And that's why we continue to persevere even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of the trials, you continue to trust even when you don't see it. You know, yeah. we, we sing that song, even when I don't see it, I believe it. Even mm-hmm. when I don't feel it, I believe it. You know, I, I like to say that, that our life is like a bus, and the emotions are on the bus, but they don't drive the bus. You know, we have our emotions. They are part of who we are, but you can't let your feelings dictate your faith or dictate your actions. And so I read this um, passage. It was in, uh, in Lamentations. Yeah, those of you who know Lamentations, woohoo! Um, it means to lament, to grieve. Jeremiah is writing this. It says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. So this is what we need to remember. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. You know, there's never an inheritance until there's a death. There comes a point where we need to just die to ourselves, die to our agenda, die to our ways of thinking, and just say, Lord, I trust you, but I don't get you. Yeah. And just die to it. It says, the Lord is my inheritance, and therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord, and it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. We're going to have a time right now just for those of you who are maybe in a desert right now, you're in a season of of dryness or a season of feeling like God has abandoned you or God has betrayed you or God has just rejected you. And we're going to just pray over you and we're going to invite the presence of the Lord to come and transform you, to invite the presence of the Lord to give you that hope so you can be patient in hope and rejoice even in your affliction and to continue to cry out and to continue to pray. So if you're somebody and you're going through the wilderness right now, I just want to ask you to just be brave and just stand up. Maybe you have an illness 
that you've been struggling with for a while? Or maybe you have a, a relationship that has broken down or, or that you, you're just questioning, Lord, can this ever be redeemed? Or maybe you're in a, a financial trial, just can't seem to catch a break. Or maybe you're just, you're trying, you're reading the word, you're trying, you're trying to seek God. You just can't seem to find him. Just want to remind you again to rejoice in hope, to be patient in tribulation, in trials, and to continue to pray. But we're going to invite the presence of the Lord to come. If, if those around these people that are standing, these brave souls, and thank you guys for your honesty. Thank you for your vulnerability. If those around you could just, if you guys could just pray over these people, Put your hand on them as a symbol of the Lord reaching out. And, and don't let anybody be standing there without somebody praying over them. It's okay. You can, you can step out of the six-foot zone and go pray over these people. Okay, well, Father God, Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we humble ourselves before your mighty hand, Lord. We thank you that your ways are not our ways, God, but that your ways are always for our benefit. Lord, your ways are always for our good. Your discipline is always for our good. And Lord, for these brave souls who have, who have stood up to say, I'm struggling right now. I'm in a desert right now. I'm not hearing God's voice. I'm not getting anything out of the Bible when I read it. I'm just feeling alone. I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling abandoned. I'm feeling forgotten. Lord, I just pray that you would let your presence fall on these people right now. Let your spirit encourage them, Lord. Fill them with hope. Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would open their eyes to be able to see you even in the midst of this. Lord, for each of these people that's suffering and struggling, just pour out your spirit. God, pour out your spirit. Lord, I, I do. I ask that they would be able to even give praise in hope, in the hope of your deliverance. Lord, they would be able to rejoice and to be patient even in the midst of this struggle. And Lord, they would continue to cry out to you. They would continue to pour their hearts out to you. And you would meet them, Lord. I pray for breakthrough. Even yes. today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a breakthrough yes, for those God. who are suffering in the name of Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you because you are always good and you are always for us and you are always with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna give it. Yeah, um, just real quick, for those of you who do not know God and who have not surrendered their lives to God, and you guys want to, you're ready, and today's the day. This is the day the Lord has made, and you can rejoice and be glad in it. So if you have not surrendered your life to God, please just raise your hand so we can just be an acknowledgement between you and the Lord, and we can pray for you. Or you can come forward and we would love to pray with you too. We're going to have some people up here available to pray for you if you want to go a little deeper in praying for you. If you have any, any need for prayer, if you want to meet Jesus 
for the first time, if you want to be born again of his spirit, mm. um, just want to invite a couple people to come forward. And otherwise, next week we will be we will have the illustrious Joe Nettleton Woo-hoo! teaching on the calling of Peter. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for those who joined us online. We love you and miss you. Please come back. And God bless you guys as Bye you guys. go. Take somebody out for brunch right now. Be generous. Good stuff at the Super Bowl bake sale too. Oh,